Welcome to Tool Talk, the weekly podcast for Toolaholics, where all your DIY, home improvement, automotive, and tool-related questions are answered, and your need, physical need to talk tools is completely served. And now, the host of Tool Talk, Chuck Cage and Sean O'Hara from Toolmonger.com, the web's first tool blog. Hi, I'm Chuck. I'm Sean. And welcome to Tool Talk, podcast number 39. Today is Friday, May 9, 2008. If you would like to give us a call, you can actually call us at 866-718-9403. That's 866-718-9403. You can also email us, either ccage or s.o'hara at toolmonger.com. We have sort of a sponsor this week that I wanted to mention, which is Skill. Technically, they're not sponsoring the podcast, but... They did provide some tools with uh, for a project that we worked on this week, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I wanted to say thank you to Skill, and you'll see why. Coming yeah, they up hooked us up pretty good. In just a little bit. So without further ado, let's jump right into the top five. Top five. All right. Number five. Number five is Woodworker's Bling. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a <laughs> – it looks like, you know – Medieval Klingon armor or something oh, like that. Oh right, I remember. It's this is circular, the rasp. Yeah, it's a circular yeah. rasp, and it's got uh, it's got a little handle on it. And basically, what it's for is carving out, you know, and, and shaping wood a little bit, and making it a little smoother on areas that would not work well with a straight file or a straight rasp. And uh, yeah, rasp for those of you, those both of you who are not familiar, you know, one of you <laughs> <laughs> is a very rough file, right? Like think spikes on a board, yeah. Type designed thing. to really rip some material off, right? I mean, you're you're really kind of shaving down and making stuff uh, a different shape if you're using a rasp. So, and this one is a circular rasp that's about an inch or an inch and a quarter, maybe an inch and a half wide, depending on which uh, which one you get, and uh, it fits over your hand as the circular like thing brass might suggest. Knuckles, yeah, just except- almost just like brass knuckles. You can use it on the inside of your hand uh, to kind of you know almost like you're sanding, nice. or you can uh, you know use it on the outside and you know, brain someone to death with it, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> suits your fancy. Um, but, uh, they're pretty cheap. They're like 10 bucks and, uh, they're, uh, very impressive looking. <laughs> I just, you, you look at that and go, wow, that's a cool, that's, that's a cool manly thing right there. <laughs> I need one of those. What yeah. does it do? <laughs> Tell me what it's for. I'll have five. <laughs> Give me too many. Give me too many. You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was number five. Uh, let's see here. Number four is the ambidextrous tape measure, which, uh, is unusual, I think. Well, it's, uh, it definitely can be. It's, it's kind of, <laughs> if you've ever measured something upside down <laughs> and this has ever be, done that, I mean, not <laughs> me. This has happened to be a couple of times, <laughs> measured something upside down, looked at the number in front of it and assumed that it was the number behind it. Yes. And uh, measured something, I don't know, an inch off. Yep, and exactly. That's yeah. uh, that's happened to me quite a few times. So <laughs> this this tape measure is actually designed to fix that. So you it's know? like splitting the middle and it's right. It, it has yeah, it reads you know the the right way up no matter which way you're facing. Nice. So if uh, especially for you left-handers, if that's ever a problem, that's uh, this <laughs> is for you. Are you picking on me? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this is kind of like those ones. I've seen a couple where you have like on one side of the tape, you have a standard left-right kind of read, and then on the other side, you have a vertical right. setup, which is handy for like when you're measuring things vertically. Sure. So I guess if you had this on the front and the vertical on the back, then... If you, you mismeasure, you're just a dumbass. You're just stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's just your problem. 
<laughs> you can't figure it out. You don't need to be measuring that. So yeah, that's uh, that was number four. Uh, let's see here. Uh, number three, cheap ass tools. Yeah, the fifteen dollar Harbor Freight micro die grinder, and wow. this thing is um, basically it's it's like a, a it's a pneumatic Dremel. Yeah, it's a pneumatic Dremel, but the thing is, it will fit Dremel attachments and and that's kind of cool tools and stuff or you know bits and stuff. So you can. You can use most of the stuff that you have with your Dremel if you actually have a Dremel uh, with this. So now I have to admit I have a Harbor Freight die grinder, just plain old standard die right. grinder, and it's kind of a piece of crap. It's not the best, huh? Yeah. Now I mean I, I'll be the first to say I mean like I love my <laughs> Harbor like, Freight polisher. Yeah, you're like I paid fifteen dollars for this, <laughs> and, and it's it not worth two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The die grinder I have is pretty much useless. The uh, uh, there are a lot of other tools that I've had good luck with, especially ones that I intend to abuse, like the polisher that I use with the knot cup to clean off steel and stuff. Right. But uh, not so great on the die grinder. So I wonder how the mini die grinder would work. On one hand, it's kind of an unusual shape, and it would be kind of handy. Um, but part of me also says, I mean, why not just use a Dremel? Well, that was kind of my thought, but... I mean, you when know. there's like a hundred different kinds of Dremels available. Yeah, and you can most likely, I mean, you could find one on eBay. You In could, your price range you, yeah. to fit your needs. You can find a Dremel, okay? It's it's not Maybe not hard. for 15 bucks. No, maybe not, but... And maybe that's why they voted it up so yeah. high, because <laughs> somebody if, it, was interested if it works in it. for 15 bucks, that's... <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, number two was uh, turn over a new leaf to gauge hole size. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I always... I always call these ring gauges. Right. Well, because they look like the stuff you would size a ring with. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Like, you know, throw a ring over and it would, or some kind of see washer. See how far down on it. Yeah, it fits. They're far, angled. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it looks a lot like that. Basically, it's a measured stick where, you know, you can measure the hole by how far down it goes into the hole. Sure. You know. Sure. This one gauges slots too, though. Right. Uh, which is it's, cool. it's real thin. It's not a circle stick. It's just, a, you know, they're flat pieces of metal that are tapered, so you right. can you can fit them in pretty much anywhere. So that's kind of cool. It's one of those tools that you think you would need, and then you'll find yourself trying to measure, like, a slot or a circle or a hole or something with a, you know, with a tape measure, and it sucks, and you're off, and you have to correct. <laughs> or and... finding things that will go down in the hole. So how big is the hole? It's about that big, you know, and you've got a <laughs> oh, chewed-up pencil. Yeah. <laughs> not quite. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. I've seen the chewed up pencil thing. <laughs> I've done the chewed up pencil that's thing. That's where I lost most of my pencils to, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it does happen. Number one this week was how to build a giant dinosaur. Yeah, there was uh, there was a lot going on with giant dinosaurs this week on Toolmogger. <laughs> and that actually brings us back around to uh, skill, which we mentioned earlier. We put together a giant plywood dinosaur for an event that was going on out in san mateo california and it seemed like uh you know it was one of these things where we we kind of wanted to show one of the more whimsical fun things you could do with your tools you know right not just i mean sure yeah you can build sawhorses you can build tables you can build all this you bookcases useful stuff but sometimes you got to just pull out your tools and build something that's just cool. almost completely useless but cool exactly and we did yeah. yeah we actually built a giant dinosaur and the way we did it was we took a standard um you know those little flat dinosaurs that you buy like at the museum sure you know like uh 
they come flat packed and they're punched out of balsa and you you unpack the yeah, wood. They're notched and have slots yeah, and right. stuff like that. You, you punch them out and them slide together. them together. Yeah, interlocking. Well, we took one of those designs and scaled it up to 18 and a half feet long, which uh, was pretty impressive, I think. We built it out of three quarter inch plywood. Yep. He stood about uh, nine feet tall. His name was Bob. His name was Bob, uh, which uh, is short for big old beastie. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, it it took, uh, four sheets of plywood and, uh, some figuring and some, uh, a a few, uh, a few extra pieces made when we screwed them up. But, um, other than that, truth is you could easily build one of these, you know, at at first we did it just because we thought it'd be cool. But when we got done, we thought, you know, this is one of those things that just about anybody could do. I mean, if you were like... I don't know. You had a kid. You wanted to do a dinosaur-themed birthday party or something. Yeah, you could rip this out with a oh, couple friends yeah. in a day. Four, four sheets of plywood, even out in California where they just rob you. Yeah. For the we use CDX, you know, CDX exterior plywood out in California, and it was about thirty bucks a sheet. Yeah. We got BC sanded in Texas for twenty-five and change a sheet. Yeah. But either way, you're talking about four sheets. I mean, you're talking about just over a hundred bucks. Yeah, a hundred bucks and change. You could build one of these, even if you had to go buy a jigsaw, which was, uh, you know, another twenty to seventy bucks, depending on how much you're willing to cough up for it. Yeah, and and I'd really say seventy, but <laughs> yeah, Skill actually came through for us and sent us three. 4690 model uh, jigsaws. Right, and a belt sander, which was extremely helpful because what we did was we actually made the, I guess we should explain kind of the process up front. Yeah. We started with with a model of the dinosaur. Now, there are a couple ways you can go about making the plans big. If you have plans, that's great, but you don't need plans. All you got to do is go to the store, pick up one of the little dinosaurs for a few bucks, take the pieces, lay them on paper, and trace them. Yeah. Now you have a plan. You know, exactly. This is not. I. I think my favorite questions are. Well, where do I get the plans? Well, okay. Um, we had an answer for that, which we can talk about more later too. But you know, you don't need plans. You just need a dinosaur. Plus, you have a little dinosaur, which is cool, right? Yeah. But uh, you can lay those out and trace them. Once you have them, there are a couple ways you can go about it. Now, we cheated because we happen to have access to a digital projector, so uh, we actually yanked them into a PDF. And you know, it's Sean's thing with Photoshop. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean to build anything, he'll use Photoshop. So That's true. Sean rips it in Photoshop and we shot it up on the wall and taped some paper up. But there's a cheaper way to go about this if you don't happen to have a projector handy, which is uh you could use an artograph, which is uh, essentially a little opaque projector. Right. Uh another thing is if you have a, a if you have a standard overhead projector, you can print these onto you could take your design, scan it and print it or copy photocopy it onto um onto transparencies i mean whatever you got is the bottom line here right however you can get it onto a wall it will and you know get some paper under it you can trace the parts as big as you can make them absolutely now there are a couple of tricks we discovered in terms of actually putting this on the wall number one you need to be very clear that your what you're projecting is not distorted in any way yeah and that's uh that's actually easier than it sounds to not understand or you know you could screw it up it. really yeah, easy you could mess miss it real quick there are two things uh keystoning is a big one if you're using a projector any projector that is projecting at an angle is going to keystone unless it has some sort of cre- uh correction factor on it um another one 
if you're using digital projectors, make damn sure they're not stretching the image in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, if you've like got say a, converting it to widescreen. Yeah, if you've got a standard three by four screen or or display card, and it is moving it to sixteen by nine. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Ask us how we know. So, yeah. what you want to do to to figure this out is when you make your templates, whatever it is you do, whether you're printing them or drawing them or or uh, printing them on transparencies or whatever, make a square, what you know is an accurate square. And it doesn't matter how big it is, just put it on there. And the trick is, once you've got these plans scaled up to where you want them to be on the wall, measure the cross diagonals on your square. If they come out the same, you're all right. Right. If they don't, you're going to be screwed. Yeah, you might need to fix something. Yeah, (laughs) Fix it before you make all the pieces. Yeah, that would be helpful. So once you got it on the wall, you trace all of it, and uh, we found some uh, packing paper, I think, but whatever works. I mean, just something reasonably durable. Right. And uh, then you cut them out, and uh, after that, it's pretty easy. You lay them down on your plywood, trace them out, jig them. Uh, The way we got all this out to San Mateo is rather than shipping the plywood and everything, we just uh, got to the plan stages and then shipped the plans out. And uh, so we bought plywood locally and used the wonderful jigsaws that skill set, and we cut them out right on site. Here's uh, here's a trick uh, when you're putting them together, when you're making the slots. <laughs> cut them small. Cut them small and angle them in so that the, the front piece or, you know, the, the edges are wider than the neck. Or the the top piece. It'll be a lot easier to put together. Yeah, you can smack, you know, you can slam them together and smack them with a rubber mallet and just do all kinds of weird stuff to them, and they'll go instead of just catching on the plywood corners. Uh, make rounded corners on the slots uh, <laughs> on the outside so that they, you know, they move instead of just catching. Uh, that'll save you a bunch of grief. <laughs> A bunch. Yeah, and you know, the one trick, too, is that when you're making your plans, when you scale them up, you need to take into account the size material you're going to use. So even if those whole, those those uh, uh, those slots scale up to larger than three-quarter, you want them to be three-quarter. Right. Uh, so, you know, you do need to redraw those slots to whatever size material you're using. Also, weight uh, could be a factor. Uh, the good news is plywood is fairly light and very strong. So if you're dealing with something that will fit on a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood, you're going to be okay. Right. However, if you're doing something that you're you're taking pieces and you're making them out of multiple sheets of plywood for one piece, you're adding a lot of weight and you're going to need to keep that in mind. Yeah, so I mean if you're going to make, you know, a house-sized dinosaur or something, you can, you just need to double or triple the plywood and bolt it together and some stuff like that. But we, we just copped out and made one that would fit on a 4 by 8 sheet. Way easier. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true and cheaper. Yes. In fact, uh, you know, as we said, it, he's, he's about 100 bucks, and, and uh, it's actually real impressive. People walk by, and I don't think there was a kid that was there. <laughs> Who didn't stop and take a look at Bob. Exactly. You know, and uh, or pet Bob on the head. That was that was one of my favorites. Yeah, there was there was a lot of that. We also made some little uh, jigsaw puzzles, which it's kind of funny. You know, they are called jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, because they're easy <laughs> to make with jigsaw. In case you're wondering. Yeah, find a shape. There's two ways to go about this. Find a shape, trace it onto plywood, and then just use cut your the outside just, out. Yeah, and then cut just... the outside out, and then just now here's here's the thing. <laughs> if 
you want to make it reasonably easy for somebody to put it back together. <laughs> Get another piece of plywood and trace the shape before you cut it. Right. Of, so they have a guide. Just so they have a guide to do it. And uh, if you're making it out of wood, it might be good to uh, emphasize which side is up if it's for kids. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to make Sean made two for this event, and one of them was uh, relatively easy to put together. It was uh, it fit in an outline, and it, it was in not a whole lot of pieces, and the top was colored black, and uh, very cool. And then the second puzzle for the people who, you know, gave the kids crap about not being able to put it together fast. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, the second <laughs> one was not labeled top or bottom, had no outline, and uh, Sean went just nuts with the jigsaw. It was in a bunch of little pieces that were all really similarly shaped, and uh, it was a bitch. I mean, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it took me about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to figure it out. I cut it out, and I knew what to do, and it was- It, it took you a while. It took me like eight minutes, you know, I, I was, and I knew what it's supposed to look like and how the f- pieces fit together and everything, <laughs> and I knew uh, also if you're, uh, if you're ever assembling a wooden puzzle. Oh, yeah, look for the wood grain. Look for the wood grain, okay? That's an <laughs> old trick, man. <laughs> it's, it's real easy, but- uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. There was uh, the puzzles were almost as big a hit as as the giant Bob. dinosaur. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, Sean dubbed the 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 puzzle dinosaur Mini Bob. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But uh, it was it was fun for everybody, including us. So it was it was pretty cool. It was a good time, and I totally recommend this as something that you could do yourself. I mean, if you want to impress the kids, you know, or you just want a big damn dinosaur because they're cool. Yeah, this is not something you need a CNC machine for. This is oh, not man. something. If I had a dime for every person who came by, did you CNC cut that? Does no. it look like we I CNC cut, cut that? Yeah, it wasn't real pretty on the outside. <laughs> cut it with a jigsaw. I mean, you don't need. I mean, look, I would like to have a CNC mill, a CNC router as much as the next guy. But that doesn't mean that I can't do a lot. Right. Because a jigsaw can cut all kinds of things you know fast yeah now we even i mean i'll admit we kind of cheated we used a fast cut wood blade because a we're in a hurry and b they came with the saws yeah you know but if you wanted to make it prettier i mean you could have used you could have used a scroll blade you could have used a fine cut wood blade you could you could have used different wood you could have used you know like pine sheets or, or something nice or Something like that, um, but we were just down and dirty, and it was plywood. So, A, a B or A C plywood, or, yeah, <laughs> you know any number of things. Veneer plywood, yeah, I mean, oak veneer ply. Yeah. You, you could have got <laughs> fancy. overkill, yeah, you know, a but, little bit, but you know you could have done a little bit better than we did. You could did. stain him. <laughs> it takes six years. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Maybe with a fence sprayer, some <laughs> <laughs> rollers, you know. Put him out in the yard and hose him down, you know. <laughs> Paint him. Yeah, it's get get the uh, the spray tan guys to come over and just like douse him. Oh yeah, you know something like that would be fun. You could but, do whatever. Uh, you could paint him actually if you wanted to. It wouldn't be that hard. But no. I mean, I we just didn't because it was there was no need. Right. He actually looks kind of cool made out of plywood. Too. Yeah, well, it looks like it's supposed to. It looks like those looks little like balsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a giant balsa wood you know deal and it's not but what what is it about cnc cutting cnc router people that that makes them build everything out of plywood man I, you know you told me that while we were there and i didn't believe you and i went over and i'm, I'm like no they're not doing that sure enough like 80 percent 80 percent of what they had 
was out of plywood. You know, not not even like pretty plywood. You know, like sometimes to do that hardwood plywood where it's like light wood, dark wood, light wood, dark wood, light wood, dark wood. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, when they carve it and sand it and everything, it's gorgeous. Right. This this wasn't that type of plywood. It was like they went to Home Depot, threw some ply rough plywood in the back of the truck, and then came to the show. <laughs> you know. Well, it's like, and I mean, I could understand too that you kind of cut. You you're going to do a lot of cutting, demo cutting. You use something cheap, but it seems like a lot of the the things that people make with CNC routers are made out of plywood. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not. I shouldn't bitch. I mean, I I like plywood too. You know, well, I built we, a lot of things out of plywood. Yeah, me too. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it. You'd think ten thousand dollars worth of gear you'd use like you a, could afford like you know some wood. Yeah, I mean, you know, like real wood. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I mean. I mean, it doesn't even have to be fancy. I mean, poplar, anything, you know, <laughs> something, you know. But uh, no, it was, it was, but there was, uh, if that I had. That would require joinery and the computer won't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get your clamps out, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if I had, if I had a buck for every person who came up and asked if it was CNC, that would be, uh, we, we'd be retiring right now. But uh, there was kind of a neat guy set up near us, too, as well. That was and I wish I could remember the name of his product. I'll find it later because we're going to I think we're going to do a review of one sometime down the road here. But it's essentially a, a small uh, portable bandsaw. And the first time out. Yes. Yes. Sure yeah. is. And the first time I saw one, I thought, why the hell would you need that when you have a portable bandsaw? You know? And then he showed us. So I asked him, yeah, <laughs> since we had some time, I asked him, I'm like, hey, why the hell would I want one of these if I have a portable bandsaw? He said, well, let me show you. And and sure enough, number one, the thing weighs like nine pounds, which sounds heavy, but for if you've ever wielded a portable bandsaw, I have a Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a boat it's anchor, pretty man. heavy, yeah. <laughs> it's not a tool that you like using. You love it because it saves your ass because it'll do things that you can't do with your bandsaw. Right. You know, like fit in places you're not <laughs> supposed to put it and great stuff like that. But but it ain't light and it's a little unwieldy, no. you know? No, and this is nine pounds and it has a, uh, it's powered by a 12-volt NICAD, I think. Maybe it was an 18-volt. Anyway, I don't remember. I think it was 12-volt. Bottom line is it is a... It's a cool little tool. I mean, it has a, a couple inch uh, mouth in it, and it'll blow through steel with a with a uh, you know a same kind of blade we had in ours. I think I can't remember if it was a twelve, fourteen, fourteen, eighteen. I think it was a fourteen, eighteen. Anyway, you know, variable tooth blade. It'll just blow through steel. It'll blow through conduit like there's no tomorrow. Uh, now we haven't tested it, but the guy tells us you get about one hundred and fifty conduit cuts on a charge, which is enough. It comes with two batteries, so yeah. This would be just the bomb for an electrician, you know? You'd think so. I mean, if you're running conduit, I mean, you could just whip this thing out and rah, cut the end off. They even bother to, like, uh, you know, the plate that you use, like any of you have ever used a portable bandsaw, usually you have a little L-shaped bar that kind of lets you push that up against something to try to get it right straight. I'm using yeah, little finger marks, yeah. you know, because it's not ever going to be straight. when Straight you cut like, band. you know? Straightish, yeah. yeah. And but they made it a little wider than normal, which is kind of cool. It actually works a little better. But they tapered the end of it so you can stick a piece of standard conduit on the end of it and clean the burrs off it. Oh, nice, neat idea. It doesn't you know doesn't cost anything. And yeah, but it works out good. Absolutely. And uh, then the cool part of this is they make a stand for it where you can drop it in the stand and uh, put a little cover on it, and it it acts like a little vertical bandsaw. Yeah. And, and it's hard to picture and explain, but 
yeah, but it works out. It really does. It, it was it was impressive. the The wide bar becomes a part of the table, you know, filling the table so that it has a small gap. And uh, there are contacts in the handle of the tool, so when you drop it into the stand, it charges and it uh, it runs off wall power. So you can leave it plugged in and leave it over there. And if you need to make little cuts on it, you can on a table. But then you can pull it off and take it with you too. So. It's it it really impressed me. It was a little pricey, I think, uh, for for what it was, but that probably comes from the fact that they're a smaller manufacturer. It was, I believe, just under three hundred bucks for the tool, and then another sixty or eighty for the accessories and stand and such. And uh, it seemed to be. Now we haven't got our hands on it yet, but it seemed to be pretty sturdy. I mean, he was drop kicking this thing. Yeah, he was throwing it across the floor. Yeah, I mean, like so. not even like just dropping it. I mean, he it, like eight, twelve feet. You know, he just throw this thing <laughs> right. and it was fine. Right. You know? So it seems durable. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. Whatever it's worth. But I was surprised. I like the stand idea a lot. I think that that would kind of take this into the DIYers realm a little bit, out of the electricians. You know, maybe and into. Into the DIYer, yeah, but electrician could. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I guess worse. not. Not out of you know electricians. This is this is the bomb for electricians, right? I mean, but I think it brings it into the DIY realm a little bit as well. I mean, we were talking with our friend Mike Haney over at Popular Science, and he was lamenting, you know, in his small shop making steel cuts. You know, he was building some furniture and had a few little pieces of steel that he wanted to right. cut. And, and you know, you think when you have a shop, it's great. I mean, like, if I want to cut steel, I put it in my bandsaw. Well, he can't put a bandsaw in his kitchen. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to work. You know, I have a, a jet, you know, horizontal vertical bandsaw. It's great. Uh, would be absolutely unusable for him. So, you know, my recommendation was the portaband, you know, portable bandsaw. But even that, I think, is a bit overkill for what he's doing. I think as long as what he was doing wasn't more than, say, an inch or an inch and a half, which I doubt it is, this would really work well. And with the little table, we could make straight cuts. And it's not very big. The whole table and the whole thing is only, you know, a couple feet. Yeah, it's 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 actually pretty portable, and it's got a small footprint. So, I don't know. It, it was uh, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I was really impressed. And there, were, there was all kinds of neat stuff there, too, like people with laser cutters. I mean, laser cutters are cool. But, you know, I find myself, I used to be really, really into them. And I find myself now more drawn to what can I do with tools that I could actually own. Right. With something I could actually put in the shop and, right. you know, like use. And that you know. somebody else could too, you know? Right. I mean, that's why the jigsaw was cool because the jigsaw is, you know, cheap. And it's reasonably easy and, and to explain and use, and you can get good with it in a, in a hurry. I mean, we had uh, we had a, somebody helping us out who hadn't used a jigsaw since high school and not right. even much then. Right, a while back. Uh, yeah, a while back, and we're like, hey, look, this is how it works. This is what's going on and everything. Worked out fine. About three minutes later, it was as good as any of the cuts we were doing. So it, uh, it was nice. It just wouldn't be right to not talk about these jigsaws a bit because we spent so damn much time with them in our hands. <laughs> Days. <laughs> I mean, you'll see a review on Toolmonger coming out in the near future, but 
there's no reason not to go ahead and talk about it now. And what these are is is it's kind of a newer version of the older models that Skill used to have. And yeah, just this kind is of the an, Skill forty six ninety. Forty six ninety. Right. Yep. Sorry. And uh, what it is, and they they've had them like this before, but it's got a uh, a big nice knob on top and a selector switch. All right. And this is a six amp jigsaw. So wow. It's uh, it's, the it's plug pretty in, ballsy. Yeah, it's the plug-in variety. It's not short on power. It's not short on grunt. It's not really short on much anything. <laughs> um, it's got a, a selector switch that goes from scroll to fast cut. And this is controlling a couple of things. It's controlling right. the orbital motion of the saw, mm-hmm. which is essentially kind of moving it in a circle kind of back and forth a little bit. Yeah, if you ever think of an elliptical exercise bike, it's about the same motion. And the yeah. trick is, is that the wider that ellipse is, the uh, more rough the cut will be because obviously it's hacking a bit. Yeah. But it'll also give it a chance to clear the blade faster and uh, makes it go like hell. Yeah, especially if you've got kind of the, the tear it up bit in You get the fast cut blade in and you got it on uh, set wide open. And it moves. It just goes. Um, and if you want to slow down and do a little detail work, uh, you, you kick the selector all the way to scroll and that unlocks the pivot part of that shaft and the blade uh, no longer does the orbital action, but can move in a rotate, 360 yeah. degree. Yeah, it can rotate in a 360 degree pivot. You so know? you can turn it with your hand. Yep, uh, turn on top. The, forcing the blade to turn, yeah. Right, and uh, it works out pretty good. Yeah, I mean, with a scroll blade, you could do crazy stuff. With yeah, this. I mean, drive it sort of like a fire truck. You know, <laughs> the, the the blade and the and the shoe or the, the rest of the saw right. know, follows the blade, and, and you can do some really, you know, kick-ass curves and not have a problem. It never hitched once in, in that mode, and they were... We were not gentle with these saws. No, and we were using fast cut blades, and we were blowing through wood. I mean, we were probably in a, a pretty ugly situation for it. Yeah, and it worked great. Yeah, no, yeah. it never, never really faltered. Uh, every None once of them in, broke. Nope. Every once in a while, there's a little adjustment screw that comes unscrewed on the bottom of the shoe, but it's a standard, common. Well, and that was only on know, one of them. On one of them. And I think you know, a little thread lock would have probably been fine. fixed that. Yeah, so. it would have been fine. So, And that was the only problem other than breaking bits because we turned too hard or something well, like yeah, that. we were in a hurry. That we had, you know. So they were they were tanks the entire I've time. Used skill, I've used skill blades quite often. I mean, because they're so readily available. Well, sure. Even in other, other saws we had around the shop, we've used a lot of skill blades. Yeah, they're not expensive, and they normally work pretty well for what they're designed to do. Absolutely. So I don't have I don't. I like the little problem. organizer they give you with them. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Kids. That's pretty cool. Um, they also have a little slot in the case that comes with each jigsaw that uh, you can put a bunch of blades in, so that, that works out good. Yeah. I was just really impressed with you. They do have a laser, which uh, you can turn off. Which you can turn off. Which is nice. I uh, uh, I, I turned mine off. JR left his on the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just the whole time. I, I, left, I left it off, but I did turn it on later when I was, I mean, we didn't really bring a Cirque saw with us, so we built some other little things while we were there, like a, a stand for a sign and some other stuff out of out of two-by-four studs. To help any? Huh? To help any? Yeah, I mean, for if you're cutting a straight line, it's not that bad. Right. You know, I mean, because it is handy to line, you get a bigger surface to line it up on, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I was also making some, I'll tell you where it really kind of came in handy, was when I was making uh, big, wide cuts across the plywood that I wanted to be straight. Right. 
and and it was just i mean you could clamp it and play games with it and stuff but it was just easier to just you know <laughs> grab it turn the line the laser yeah. up and just cut it you know yeah i was surprised yeah i i mean are you is it going to be a table saw uh no, no. <laughs> is it even going to be like a good cirque saw no. no but i'll tell you what i mean we managed to build everything with it and you know yeah it was no problem no injuries to the saws or people yeah, definitely. Um, that was, you know, score. Yeah. I mean, it was it worked out fine. Everybody they're easy to use. Um anybody can pick one up and with a little instruction make it do whatever it is yeah. that you want to do. Indeed. Um, and it, and it's powerful enough to get the job done. I, yeah. And it's uh, I we own one of these actually. We bought one uh before we left here. Yeah. It's funny cuz we ended up with the same model that we bought. Yeah. Uh, that they sent out to San Mateo and and I'm really happy with the value. I th- I paid just under seventy bucks for like sixty eight or sixty nine bucks or something like that. Seventy something with tax, and and I feel like it's a good value for yeah. that kind of money. I mean, yeah. it's it's a tough jigsaw uh, that can really take a lot of work. You know, I mean, there we had a twenty dollar. You had a twenty dollar. Yeah. Um, task, task force. force yeah. You know, which was all right. I mean, it, look, you know, if you can't afford seventy bucks then which by at the time means, when i bought that i couldn't buy know? what you got you know yeah. so you can make what you want to make out of it you made a number of things with that one yep uh, but once we started really laying into the dinosaur with it boy it just it just it caved it went puff yeah <laughs> it was gone <laughs> no more <laughs> and uh the motor died yep and uh this this just kept going i mean uh and it's got a little dust collector on it you know funnel you, you can you can use and everything we never touched it just because we were outside most of the time, yeah. and yeah, we, we don't need dust collection. Yeah. It was in San Francisco. Wind was blowing like 20 miles an hour the whole time <laughs> we were there. Just stand out of the way. It's fine. It's gone. But anyway, I, I, I was really impressed. I would wholly, wholeheartedly recommend this uh, this jigsaw to anyone who, who wants to have one around the house for uh, for basic tasks. And, and there's so many things you can do with a jigsaw. You want to make your own plaques. You want to, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you, you want to put some feet on a piece of furniture that you're making low budget you know there are just dozens of things you can do with them oh yeah yeah i mean think of it if you're if you're still not quite sure what you could do with it think of it like a recip saw with a shoe (laughs) yeah you know which is basically what it is yeah you know it's got a little guide plate and you can just you just hack stuff up with it not here to talk about this we need to get him in next time to talk about some of these tool tests that he's done but uh jr spent a day dropping stanley levels yeah and we're not we're not kidding either uh there was there we had the uh new uh fat max uh 43 524 and 43 525 uh, i can't believe you remember those numbers <laughs> that's awesome i'm blown away um it's the new Fat Max level, right? And you know, one of them's uh, magnetic, one of them's not. Right. The uh, the five twenty five is magnetic, and I think the non is the five twenty four. Yeah, these are twenty four inch. Well, yeah, the versions and, uh, we have. And the 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 big new features that everybody can see over last year's model is you know now it has two hand grips in the twenty four inch model. Only had one. Only had one before, Max which Extreme. was kind of kind of annoying because the handle's so comfortable that yeah. you you're like, well, 
why couldn't you just put one here? So this time they did. Um, also, uh, one of the biggest pet peeves everybody seemed to have is you couldn't scribe a line on the uh, the side with the center vial because uh, there was a big you know cavity where the center vial was. Now it was cool. Was. The cavity was cool though because you, you could, could see, see the vial from yeah. a long way off. So they kind of split the metal here, right? Right. They made a half a bridge uh, that goes all the way across one uh, like one side of the top. So if you're holding the level, I guess what would amount to front. Uh, towards the front, you can get this. Uh, you can scribe a line all the way across either the bottom or the top, and you can flip it around and you can see the level, see the bubble right. from a mile away, the vial. So right, so it, it works out fine. Um, and uh, that those were like the two big main differences that you notice right away. Uh, some of the other differences were the end caps, uh, which were completely new and overhauled this year. Right. Um, they are much more sturdy. They they stick out a little bit more. In fact, the metal pieces are a little bit smaller on the level because these end caps are this huge rubber thing with, you know, uh, shock absorbing yeah, right. structure with it, and and you know, like plastic impact plastic and and some rubber, and uh, these things are built to protect it from falls, basically. Yeah, from from Jr. <laughs> Jr.'s mission was to drop each of these levels from eight feet. On the concrete a hundred times. Yes, which he dutifully did. And, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, as JR pointed out, I wish he was here to say this, um, if you drop your level this many times, you're a dumbass. Yeah, you're just... You, you are one clumsy dude. You you need to invest in, you know, like a safety <laughs> rope or something, you know. Or just uh, hire somebody to do the work. Cause, yeah, because you know. uh, it, was, it was fairly brutal. It was. I mean... So what he did is he climbs up, and you'll see video of this on the site next week, but he actually climbed up on top of a six-foot ladder, held one of the levels up to measure another two feet, and then pitched the other one off the top. <laughs> over and over yeah. again. I mean, and I know what you're waiting for, which is what happened. I mean, were these levels usable? And interestingly enough, <clears throat> one of them was rendered partially unusable. Yes. After 50-plus drops... Finally, the center vial came loose. Not the, out. Yeah. But loose. But enough. In the magnetic that, one. Right. And enough that it is no longer accurate and reliable. Right. You would never be able to trust it again. Now, to put it in perspective, the other one was still fine after 100 drops. Right. And these are essentially the same level. So what we're saying here is that you could drop your level many, 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 many times, and the chances are fairly decent it's still going to be functional. Right. Now, it may not look pretty anymore. Because, yeah, I mean, some some stuff came off. I mean... Well, on the magnetic one, the, the magnets did pop out of it after after a little while. And, and the, the, magnet, the first magnet popped out after like three or five. And then you put it back in and it stayed in for like another 20. And then at 50, both of them started popping out like every other drop. <laughs> um, a little super glue and those and things are never going to come out of there, you know? <laughs> Um, but they do can you know kind of pop out. There's a there's some trim that pop, you know some beauty trim which isn't necessarily needed for its job. Uh, the handles can crack. Uh, although you know it was the reverse on on this one on the non magnetic uh, one of the handles just just cracked and all the way through and and you know screws popped out and you could kind of it wasn't cool. Uh, the magnetic level to the day we stop you know the the last drop they were rock solid and never cracked. I, th- I think what this tells me, if anything, is that these levels are indeed built quite sturdily. Yeah. I mean, you could, you may not be able to scribe a line. The end caps got beat up a bit after 100 drops. <laughs> but 
I mean, the truth is, is that if you use these in a normal environment and you happen to drop them a couple of times onto the floor, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to be all right. Um, now, if you're working on a three or four story building and you drop it off into concrete, this is not, uh, you know, yeah, we didn't try that. Nobody's going to design for that either. <laughs> you know? That and you got to worry about bounce back after that, you know, because it's going to hit somebody down there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be your big risk here would be hurting somebody that you dropped it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah even from eight feet, it would bounce like two, three feet, you know, sometimes back in the air. But I think the, the durability question has been pretty much answered. Yeah, these, these are, are quite these yeah, are durable. Like. They're solid. You know, they're real solid. They have box bean construction. They're they're very uh, well put together. Trim falls off, but you know what? Trim falls yeah, off. Yeah, it still works. You know, it still works. You could uh, you could use the uh, the non-magnetic right now, yeah. and it would still be yeah. fine. It's down the shop, you actually. Know, none of the vials cracked at all. Yeah. Um, we uh, In fact, we had trouble getting them out of there after the test because I wanted to see what it looked like and if they, you know, had developed any kind of crack or if they'd been any of the worse for wear. Sounds like prying on it with a screwdriver. Oh man, I'm prying on with a screwdriver. I've got <laughs> I've got a chisel up under there, you know, trying to remove them. I mean, it was it was kind of difficult, you know, on, uh, <laughs> and uh we uh the center vials, the uh, on the non-magnetic, I couldn't bust it loose and I couldn't get it out. Could not do it. I pried that thing so hard, I was afraid of cracking the aluminum, you know, and it just, whatever kind of adhesive they're using was was pretty good. Worked. Yeah, worked <laughs> fine. So, uh, for whatever that's worth. Now, the end caps do come off. Uh, yeah. They're designed to come off oh, if hey, you need you know. to, but they didn't come off during our test. We had to pry them off with a crowbar. So, uh, man, they're they're well made. <laughs> Bottom line, if you're stupid enough to drop your level 100 times, you got a pretty decent chance it'll still work. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got anything else for this week? Boy, I think I'm covered. That was uh, It was pretty full for us this week. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you all next week.